Hello and welcome to Mothers Matter, the podcast which takes a good look at why mothers matter so much to their children, why mothers matter in society and what matters to mothers themselves. Well, thank you for listening to this episode. I know taxation is not everyone's idea of the most exciting thing to talk about, but actually, please do listen. This uh, interview with Don Draper, who is a retired uh, tax expert from the civil service, who has set up a website called Tax and the Family, will explain the mystery that many of us feel as to how we can, uh, or our partners can be earning a decent wage, but we still have no money left um, at the end of the month. But in particular, this explains why it is so difficult for people in poverty to increase their income, even if they get a better job or even if they um, earn more in salary. It is a, a really clear explanation of why it is that so many people are in poverty and why it is that so many single income families can have one person earning a really good wage, but still struggle to make end, ends meet um, each month. Well, thank you very much for meeting with me today, Don. And uh, can I start by asking what your career involved? Well, for a great number of years, I was a civil servant working on tax policy. Um, in those days, it would have been with the Inland Revenue Department. And nowadays, that function would be in the Treasury. And then I had a, f- a few years before I finally retired, um, which actually quite a long time ago, um, working in the city with Pricewaterhouse, the big firm for accountants. And you were working on tax uh, with them? Um, yes, yeah. but a rather more esoteric form of taxation, um, um, stamp duties, oh, right. which is a long, <laughs> long way away from um, what we want to talk about, I think, this afternoon. Yes. Um, today, uh, I'm, well, I'm going to start by asking you the question, how is the UK tax system set up for families? Well, UK tax system is quite interesting. It's quite actually quite a lot different from that in most other countries. Um, Contrary to, I think just sort of set the scene a bit, contrary to what most people think, we're not a particularly high-tax country. Um, Paying, government takes rather more in taxation than it did a few years ago, but compared with other countries, we're about average, not particularly heavily taxed, not particularly lightly taxed. What is a bit different from the UK is, again, people may be surprised about this, is that the amount, the proportion of tax we collect through income tax is actually relatively low. But that's not true of everybody. And it's particularly not true um, for families, and particularly families where there's only one income or two small incomes. You have to go back, I'm afraid, in taxation quite a long way to to understand where we are today. Um, Go back actually quite a short distance, which is about 30 years, which in taxation is is a short distance. Um, We moved to a system of taxation called independent taxation, which meant that you... People paid tax. Every individual was looked at basically separately. And what their income was, they were taxed on that. And there was no attempt to look across, or very little attempt to look across, to what um, other members of the household, typically another partner, um, would be earning. Um, And that's quite a bit different from a lot of other countries. Um, And 
There was initially some tax reliefs which were um, um, humped families, and those were stripped away in the 90s, and finally they, they came to an end um, in, in 2000. But in place of that, there was introduced a system of tax credits, particularly mean, mean, a means-tested benefit, um, which to some extent compensated um, for the, uh, some families for the fact that um, they were really quite, quite a lot of tax. So what we often find today is, is that families whose income is low enough for them to be classified as being in poverty can easily be paying four-figure sums of income tax. And, but they will be getting their tax credits or, in future, their universal credit. And if they're um, in rented accommodation, they get some support for um, their housing costs. But this presents a very different sort of picture from what we find almost anywhere else in the developed world. So if you look at, look at families by families, I use the old-fashioned definition of actually, you know, adults with children... Economists tend to use a much more neutral term. Almost everyone is a family. But if you think of families in a conventional term, terms of households with children, um, in the UK, they, at any sort of ordinary income, they'll be paying far more income tax than their contemporaries would be in other countries. Um, just to give a sort of flavour of this, today, um, a family on earning round about the 35, 36,000 mark, um, will be paying about 40% more tax than they would if they were in France, as a French family with a comparable England income, um, about two and a half times as much as they would in America. And I think it's 10 times as much as they would in Germany. Is that if they're both working? Or no, if it's, it's working? one But almost... Yes, it is when there's just one income. Mm -hmm. But um, even if you go into two incomes at that sort of income range, um, it would be it would be quite quite dramatic, particularly um, with, with in Germany, where you um, a family of four probably wouldn't be paying very much income tax on anything under. 50,000 euros. Really? Yes. Uh, well, is, is that because the income tax threshold is higher? No, it isn't. It's not often that no. they're lower. But it's because no. the tax systems work in other people's systems. They typically work in a different sort of way. That what they look at is the how many people there are in the family, um, both adults and in some cases children, and they divide the income if they're four. To a very simple example, if there are four people in the family, they divide the income by four, let's say, and then work out what the tax is on that and then multiply it by four. But that comes up with a much smaller number. In the case of Germany, it comes up with zero very often compared with what happens in the UK, where we, certainly since 2010, have a very high, by international standards, tax threshold. You don't say, start paying tax now until about, you've earned about £12,500, mm. which is pretty, pretty high by um, historical and international standards. But once you start paying, 
um, you, you do start paying quite a lot. So you'd be so if you were that average family on a single income on about thirty five thousand in the UK, you'd be paying twenty percent of twenty four thousand, so about four thousand eight hundred yeah. pounds in tax, which I guess is two hundred pounds a month. Um, no, four hundred pounds a month. But in the in Germany, you wouldn't be paying anything. No, or very, <laughs> very 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 little. Yeah. Um, but you take you look at, look at across um, as um, a person without family responsibilities. Germany earning 50,000 euro, they would be quite have a um, high tax bill. Mm. Um, in when you uh, you can prove anything by numbers, of course, if, if you really want to. But um, very typically, um, in other countries, uh, a family will be paying a family's tax bill would it be about 60 percent of what um, an individual without family responsibilities will be paying. Mm-hmm. And in the UK, it's likely to be about 80 or 90%. Really? So you pay almost exactly the same Yeah, even tax. though they, they're far more mouths to feed. Mm-hmm. And this is, and this is, this is a difficulty um, we've got into. We started the sort of, if I can put it this way, I think a lot started uh, way back in the 60s when we used to have a system... Um, whereby um, there were tax reliefs um, for children and you got an extra tax relief if you were, if you were married. Most people who were together in those days would have been married, of course. Um, and first of all, the child tax allowances got converted into child benefit. Mm. And what then happened, the, over the years, the Treasury put squeeze, squeeze and squeeze and child benefits, so its value has fallen and fallen and fallen. And now, if you um, start having an income of about £50,000, you, you start losing it altogether. And the amount you get, do you know how many years it's been frozen for? I don't offhand. I could easily find it, but... but um, it's about I was, five years. I think I was going to say five or six yeah, years. Yeah, it's been frozen all that time. That's and right. Then, so it's, and limited to two children only. Yes. <laughs> and, since, yeah. um, and this is this this is this squeeze mm. on families has been very dramatic. Now, this Gordon Brown's government, who, when he was Chancellor, he brought in tax credits, which have been a lifeline for many families. Mm. I mean, horribly complicated, and. People complain about the complications and inefficiencies, administrative inefficiencies of universal credit, but they were just as bad, if not worse, but different under tax credits. And the great disadvantage of of tax credits and of universal credit is that, um, yes, the government families are given a subsidy, partly to make up the fact that the tax system is so tough on them. But um, with any, as with any means-tested benefit, um, they start getting, the amount you get gets reduced as your income increases. And this, is, this now is quite traumatic. Um, under the system that most people are under at the moment, whereby they're in tax credits or if they're renting, they get um, um, housing benefit rent is subsidized. And a family, quite a lot of families can actually, the government can easily take back well over 90% of any new money. Right. When would that, how would that work then? Well, first of all, exactly. you start off with 20% um, income tax. Mm-hmm. You then have another 12% national insurance contributions. Is, is this above, if you're only above 12,500? Well, um, yes. <laughs> um, but with national insurances, you start, uh, it's it, lower. It's lower than that. Nothing is ever simple about, <laughs> about taxation. 
whatever you say is, is by definition wrong, incomplete. Then you So move... if someone's on, say, £1,000 a month, yeah. so that's practically yeah. in income tax, then they're going to start losing £200 in tax. Yeah, then another £120 in national jobs. And then you come on to tax credits. And then... You lose forty as your income increases above whatever is the um, um, tax credit sort of threshold. If I can put it that way, um, you start losing forty three percent of the amount of credit you over, over, of, the, yeah. of the income over the, over this limit. Right. So your income goes up um, one pound. Um, your your tax credits come down forty three p. On top of, so you're losing 43p plus 20p yeah. uh, um, tax yeah. plus uh, 12p. Yeah, so your, your, your maths is much better than mine. But you, <laughs> so you're you work at 65p. Out, no, you work, you've come up to 73. 73, okay. 73. Yeah. Um, so for every pound you're earning, yeah. you're losing 73p yeah. in yeah. a mixture of tax and tax yeah. credits. Yeah. But of course, a lot of people, a lot of families in, that, in today's world, particularly on modest incomes, are now renting rather than owner-occupying, and they're caught up with housing benefits and that support. Um, that works on a slightly different basis, but essentially you start losing 63% of... Of your housing uh, of, benefit. Of, 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 right. of, as your income goes up. So you right. add the, three, the whole lot bundled together, uh, yes. um, and you are... Uh, I think the worst case scenario is um, currently um, 90.6%. So you're only taking home 9p for every, uh, whatever, uh, £9 for every £100 you earn. It can be slightly different in different parts of the country because I haven't haven't thrown in the... the, the, Council tax support, which again works. Oh, so you lose that as you well. You start losing that as well. Oh, gosh, yeah. And of course, yeah. tax rates are a bit different in Scotland, aren't they? Yes. So it, I've been trying to work out how many families are actually caught up in this. Mm. Um, it's going to be a bit better under universal credit because the clawback rates um, have been reduced and it's difficult to believe that this is actually slightly simpler. Um, <laughs> But it, the rates come down to about 76% if you're not mixed up with council tax support, but 80% if you are. And if you're on housing benefit, you're also losing... So you said you lose 43, 63% of your housing benefit for every pound. Well, three yeah, it, of the pound. As I said a few moments ago, nothing is ever simple in, yeah, in but taxation. But you're, you're losing a watch of money. Yeah, a watch of money. Look at a watch of money. A watch, of, a watch money. of money. Anything you earn, you're losing a certain amount because you're losing tax credits. You're losing a certain amount from your rent. Yeah. And you're losing a certain amount because you're paying income yeah, tax. Yes. So you're only... Someone thinks, I've got a job and it's going to pay me £13,000. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm getting £1,000 a month. Yeah. But actually, you're only getting £100 a month because yeah. of net. Yeah. And of I haven't, you're losing. haven't thrown in the joys if you're, if you're a graduate. Oh, yeah. And you start, yeah. you start having to pay back your student loan. Yeah, um, yeah it, it's nasty. Yes. It really is nasty. Um, I was at a, had a meeting um, about a fortnight ago in the Treasury when we were talking about this. Mm. Um, don't think it's a state secret, but they invited us in um, to talk. We'd written to the Chancellor, um, the new Chancellor Javid, us to, mm. saying you know, what he ought to be thinking about. Um, they, they kindly invited us in and said, well, come and explain what you're concerned about. Um, and they asked us how many families we thought were caught up in this. Now, 
I haven't been able to find an authoritative answer um, from the academic bodies like Institute for Fiscal Study or the Resolution Foundation. Um, I've asked them, they're looking at it, but they haven't come back. I've done what I call some back-of-envelope calculations, and I've actually given those um, um, figures to the Treasury. They haven't yet come back and told me they're nonsense. Um, I haven't had very much time, to be fair. It was only last week. Um, but my back-of-envelope calculations is that there are about at least one in four of all families with children are caught up in this world. Mm. And what this means in reality is that families have no control virtually no control over their, their lives. Because if a state is going to take back by one means or another, mm-hmm. even 80% of every new money they have, they, they do overtime, do an extra shift or whatever, um, how, do you, how do you get yourself out of poverty? How do you stop yourself sliding into poverty? What happens when the car breaks down or eventually has to be replaced? You are absolutely trapped uh, I think the phrase I use, this is modern-day serfdom. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are family, uh, so different from the world. Um, it wasn't an easy world. can talk about that. We had our own problems when I was bringing up families, my, with my wife. Um, but we didn't have, you know, when we got a pay rise, we did actually keep most of it. Mm-hmm. And that would be true of, if you like, over half of all families, mustn't exaggerate this, but a quarter of all families, I think that probably comes out at about five or six million. That's a lot. And these are the most vulnerable families, and they, they cannot escape poverty. They cannot do anything about controlling their lives. I've heard politicians say, as you see going up to an election, I've heard one politician say, well, People have got to be able to got to allow people to get themselves out of work poverty by working. If states can take back eighty or ninety percent of any new money, how would you do it? Mm-hmm. I interviewed, um, this I didn't interview, but um, the organisation I now help, or partly help to run, interviewed a bus driver's wife um, in the West Country. I don't want to identify too closely because they're entitled to anonymity. The, he was working full-time, 39 hours a week, um, and they had three children. They'd actually lost two in rather tragic circumstances. Um, one of the children they'd got now was a replacement. Um, and he brought home the week we saw, saw them, I think it was £310.08. pence. They got tax credits. Mm-hmm. They got help, some help with their rent. So in local authority, housing association property, paying about £150 odd a week. They ended up um, with about £400, shall we say. And that they were, with a family of that size, with the rent that they were paying, meant they were, if they weren't on the poverty below in poverty, they were on the unofficial poverty line. Mm-hmm. Now, how does that that there when we saw them, they were they they wouldn't have owned this because they all these different systems working independently. Unless you've got a, a degree of maths or something, it's difficult to work out. Um, they were their marginal rate would have been ninety odd percent. So how does that family? Mm-hmm. 
it get itself, lift itself comfortably above the poverty line. So, so she's not working at doing paid work at the moment? No, she isn't. She tried to, yeah. but she... Because um, they were, you know, some straightened financial circumstances, as you would be. Yeah. With, with, um, but she found that by the time you factored in the um, childcare costs, mm-hmm. it wasn't worth it. But that, that's the sort of family that the politicians would say, well, she can just go to work and we'll pay childcare. But you're saying every pound she earns, they're going to lose... Well, they are. They are. They are. I mean, it's not... <laughs> I mean, if you take, if you, if you, let's, let's, there's a best case scenario in, in today's world. Um, there probably is, um, there'll be quite a lot of um, families in this situation. Say, right, I can find a few hours, I can go and do a part time work on tills at Tesco or, or something like that. And I think they demanding, but a bit of shift work. Um, I, I will earn, I'll make sure I don't earn more than the income tax threshold and I'll try and earn below the national insurance threshold. Everything I get, I keep. Mm-hmm. Except that when you have to report all this to the um, tax um, benefit people, um, uh, tax credit people, they say, oh, that's very nice. Thank you very much. We, we, under universal credit, they will take back 63p in the pound of that. Mm. So even if a government's always saying, the economist's saying, oh, well, the answer is to have lots of nice free childcare, don't they? Yes. This is the yeah. answer. Yeah. And there, I know there are arguments about this, and I, I'm not, I have no professional standing whatsoever. I've long time since I had children of requiring that sort of a, a sport, and I've got grandchildren in that situation. There are issues about whether how good it is for the child to be in childcare. Some people say very good. Let's let's leave all that aside. Let's assume childcare provision, um, nursery schools is absolutely brilliant, and so the nun earner goes out to work, works um, below the national insurance threshold, below the income tax threshold. It still is income, and the um, the, the and the universal credit world, it's 63% mm. that the government will take back. Yeah. So it, this is not an easy solution. A bus driver, just trying to think what it, I think he's, he would have to, you can't, you couldn't, you couldn't find another job. You know, he would need to be earning about £40,000 or so to, to lift himself out of mm. Because all the money he gets, if he gets a pay rise, yeah. then they'll then lose exactly. 63p of exactly. tax credit plus have the extra. That's right, that's right. And this yeah. is why, you know, politicians do not, either don't understand it or willfully choose not to understand mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. I don't blame so much the opposition um, um, politician because they, they don't have the research resources, but I do blame those who are in the Treasury ministers. It... It is really a perverse way of working. We've had a lot of problems recently, these people are going on at the moment in the health service, where consultants, because of quirks in the tax rules, the pensions, find that they, it doesn't, they can't afford to do extra uh, um, shifts at weekends to get... Uh, they're w- willing to do so, but, you know, you don't work for nothing. And if the tax system, uh, it does in their case, um, um, is going to take, take back any extra um, money there, and you've got to be pretty altruistic. Uh, I was 
um, talking to um, uh, a consultant who was actually helping me very recently and said, Don, I will have to um, stop doing um, weekend work for the National Health Service because, you know, it's, it's just it's ridiculous. Isn't it something to do with their pensions? Yeah, it is. I, I don't understand exactly what it is. Yeah. But the point, the point is that if people like that um, are affected by the way the, the system works, um, I don't see why our bus drivers um, will be less affected mm. once they realise. Um, and this is where we, we have to go back and have to start saying to people, I believe, look, you've got to rethink um, how you this balance between... Um, taxation and benefits, where you give with one hand mm. and take with one hand and give back with the other. Um, it really doesn't make sense. In the economists have a rather um, comfortable way of saying, they say, oh, it's a trade-off. You know, it's a trade-off in having a simplified, a fairly simple tax system, but then you have to have these, we recognise these compensating repayments which are mega um, complicated. Mm-hmm. Bearing in mind that many of the people, the recipients, have relatively limited um, numeracy and literacy skills. Mm-hmm. So they're bound to find it difficult, bound to make mistakes, which gets them into all sorts of problems. Well, um, I want to come back in a minute to what you propose as a better option, but a better system. But at what income level for an individual would you have? Would you be at a net? So you have no more universal credit. So each pound you earn, you're just yeah. losing income tax yeah, yeah, and national insurance. Well, I have got the figures, but I'm not sure what I've um, got them at the top of my head. Okay. It varies an awful lot. Um, depending on what your housing costs are, because you have to, it's not just, it is the rent. People who are, and you know, the few, huge number of families now are renting rather than owner occupying. Big change. And um, you can easily be, go, you could be going up to 50,000. Really, yeah. In, in, in extreme cases, because people don't... And then you start losing child benefit. <laughs> well, yes, yeah. you, yes, you've lost <laughs> child benefit. Yes. You've, you've lost your marriage allowance. Yes. Um, it really is, a, a, I think, a nightmare. is is not too strong a, strong a word for it. I could um, give you the figures, well, my latest calculations um, afterwards, if you, if you want. But it... <laughs> It varies so much. Um, a single mother with a couple of children might get lifted off this, out, out of this mad world comparatively quickly. But um, couples with children, with two or three children, um, will, um, it can go on quite a long way. Particularly if you bear in mind that um, very typical, I don't know how much... You know about the way that housing support works, but a, the, the, the government's agency sets up, says what is a reasonable rent for a particular type of property. If you've got two children of different sexes, they'll certainly say a three-bedroomed house or flat would be appropriate. Well, the, they think that you should be able to, in Leeds, for example, rent something like that for £150 a week. Um, in North London, it would be £350 a week. And people who know this world much better than I do tell me it's very, very difficult to find property which is 
within that official limit. But if you take those figures and you are, as you were, giving housing, means tested housing support right up to £350 a week, you can go a long way up the income ladder. Mm. And this is so different, I say, from the what happens in any other country I've been able to find, particularly if you look at these countries which are economically very similar to us and socially very similar to us, like the United States, like Germany, like France. Um, they just don't do it like this. Um, and their families are not crippled in the way that the ours are. So what, is it, what do you think is a good system to emulate or what well, should we in, introduce? I, like, I think like so many things, you wouldn't start from here. <laughs> and actually starting from here, which is so, so mm. difficult. Um, can, you, can you think of any policies? If a politician said, this is what we're going to do, yeah. do you think that would help? Well, quite. I mean, I think probably the time has come that we've got to think again about the way um, we levy income tax. Does it, should it be on, on, so rigidly on ind, individual income? Um, and I think we sh- have to say, well, look, does it, it just really make sense to be taking money away from people? You then have to give it back to them in a very complicated um, way with these, um, which inevitably involves these very high, what we call marginal rates, take-back rates. So I think we need, we need to be happy People need to be having this sort of discussion. In the meantime, I think we have to stop digging. Any tax relief that can be, tax breaks that can be afforded, need to be very cleverly designed so they actually do benefit and help the most, the people with the lowest incomes, which present structure doesn't. What that means and is finding ways, and there are things you could do, um, come on to that, so that the, any tax breaks that are available um, do go to basically um, people with children. And there are various things you can do. Um, the pres- the going conservative um, um, government and the opposition um, government introduced what they called a marriage allowance, um, which isn't particularly well targeted at very well targeted at marriage, but it's not very necessarily well targeted at people with the lowest incomes. Um, and, it, and it's not; it doesn't take into account children at all. It does doesn't it? take out no, children. So you could be a childless couple. Yeah, and, and you're getting it. You're <laughs> yes. getting it. You're getting it. Yeah. You're getting it. Um, um, I would be entitled to it, um, which was very you know, nice, but it, it's not. It's not really. What, what the, the, I would have thought what was the intention um, so you could, you, could, you could do that sort of thing and what, you, see what has happened since 2010 is that our income tax threshold has risen hugely fast and that has cost I couldn't put a figure on it over, but it's billions very 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 big number indeed and what has happened they've just given that out to everyone um, more or less, who has um, an, an income, which means that because they've given it out indiscriminately to everyone, most of the benefit has gone to households who are in the top half of the income distribution. When you look, when people talk about inequalities of incomes, what they almost invariably mean um, is household income. And you could have a low income, 
but you can be in a very affluent household. You know, maybe how, would, how would that work? Well, that's how it does work at the moment. So you, 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 every time you raise the tax threshold or you cut the tax rate, you're spreading treasury generosity very, very widely across the whole taxpaying population of 20 million-odd people. And what we ought to be doing, in my judgment, is focusing any... If there are money, magic money trees growing in the treasury, and I'm told there are these days, then um, (laughs) the money ought to be focused on households with children. There are various ways that you can do this without... Without, within independent taxation, you can't do it, um, you can't particularly fine-tune it, um, which I think we ought to be able to do, but that involves more radical change to, to the tax structure. But what you can do, you, could, you can certainly um, say, right, we're, going to, we're not going to increase the tax threshold this year for everybody, but it does go up if you, if you have children, for example. Quite easy, quite an easy thing to do. And you could certainly um, beef up the married couples allowance, perhaps restrict it to um, people with children. Um, you could equally um, introduce an allowance which was there in 1990 when independent taxation came in, um, which single parents got and cohabiting couples got, called the additional personal allowance. You got it if you had um, care of children and you weren't in getting the married couples. So they're, they're clever things that you can do, but people have got to understand and politicians got to understand that simply saying, well, we'll prioritise low pay. The reason that we wrote to um, say we, that's Tax and the Family, um, which is a, a small um, charitable trust there to try and make the tax system better for families. Um, we wrote to um, Javed, the Chancellor. He'd, made, he'd had an, uh, given an interview in one of the uh, weekend papers saying that his priority is going to be um, people with low pay. Well, what we what tried to tell the Treasury, that it probably shouldn't be low pay, but people who've got low incomes. Mm-hmm. And that two things are quite different. In other words, any, any resource you have got, you, you give to people who are low pay. So you don't have the ridiculous situation now that most households who are in poverty are not out of work. They're in work. They, and the biggest single category of all are in work where one or both parents are, are in work. Mm. Well, they're the ones who are most likely to be in poverty. Yeah, of, of yeah. low, of low, of, of income so low. I mean, people can argue as to what is poverty or not, but a fair benchmark is the one that we um, economists and governments have used for generations, which is 60% of average mm. income after all expenses are taken into account. So just to clarify the difference between low income and low pay, uh, your pay may be low, but if you're not losing a lot of it to taxation, then you're not doing too badly, as badly. But low income would be where you maybe don't get paid very much, but you also lose your tax credits and you lose your housing benefit. Is that... Not quite, not quite. I mean, the difference is between um, your income, my income, and our family income. Um, that it's, when people talk about the number of children in poverty, for example, what they're talking about is the number of children living in households um, where there's, at the end of the week, end of the month, there's very little cash available. And that, that, that figure... Um, 
they take they adjust to take, when take account of the number of um, people in the household, whether they're disabled, and all that sort of thing. So you come up with a figure. It's a figure of household income, and that when and when people talk about the number of people in poverty, it's household income they're looking at. When it, and people talk about um, where incomes are becoming more unequal or more equal, it's household income. But our income tax system, benefit system does work that way. It does look at household income. Our tax system doesn't. Mm. And essentially what it, it, it did, if you go back far enough, and it does so in other countries, it just doesn't here. And we need, we need to ask ourselves, ask our politicians, have we really got it right? Are we the only country in the world that's, that's got it right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you, you look at a chart, I've got one here, um, a bar chart which shows the margin, what we call the marginal rate, how much the government takes back from every extra pound. It doesn't take account of um, housing better, but you, here, here I'll show you that Here's this table, Every, everyone else, mm. and that's the UK right out um, on, on its own. So we're the, just to explain, it's on the podcast, so there's a chart with Chile at the top and the UK at the bottom, yes. and we are the worst out of all the OECD yeah. for, the, for a one-earner married couple with two children yes. in terms of the amount of money they would lose for each pound yeah. they gain. Yes. They, they get paid. So we are, we're by far the worst. The next yes. one is Ireland. Yes. So we're on, on that, what, 74%. Yes. They're on 64%. Yes. In fact, in fact, the, we're 10% in fact, worse. That, that, that's not, a, that's not a, it, it, we, the UK position is better. Okay. It's worse UK, in reality. Yeah. Oh, really? It really, it really, would, it really figures that column should have gone up to about ninety-six percent. Should be even worse. Yeah. So, so it's so just so household income would be income per person in the house. Total total household income would be income per person. So yeah. That's you look divided at, per child. Yeah. You look at you look at the total total income. This is mm. this is the way they do it in America. This is the way they do it in France. Mm. This is the way they do it in Germany. So we're the only country that doesn't take any account. Well, well, the number of people in the house uh, under that income number. Not we're, we're fairly unusual. I mean, yes. there are you can you can you can find examples. I think some of the Scandinavian countries may um, work that way, but even even Denmark, I think, has a fully transferable mm. personal allowance. Yes, and it, it, I remember <coughs> hearing that um, in some sort of bar chart, that or not bar chart, a graph, um, bell chart, that actually people. Uh, a measurement they always talk about politicians talk about absolute income so someone on 60,000 someone on 50,000 mm-hmm. is in wealthy they're in the top whatever, whatever percentage of the wealth distribution but when you look at household income they're not they drop and this is where they, what they don't understand this is where this, quite and this is where the classic mistake was made when child benefit um, started to be reduced the high income child benefit charge was called um People said, oh, it's only going to affect the top 15%. And some of us said, really? Um, because <coughs> the, um, when, you, when you actually looked at it, it was actually affecting, certainly does now, people who are in the bottom half of the income distribution. Mm. Because when you, when you, uh, what you should have said is top 15% of um, earnings. But that, that's, a, you know, in a family context, that's a meaningless number. Mm. 
Well, um, also, you're paying 40% income tax anyway over yeah. 45 or whatever well, it is, 1,000. So, so you're already losing 40%, an extra 20%, and yeah. then you lose the child benefit. And if you're one person supporting a whole family, yeah. you might have five dependents on yeah, one income. That's right. So that's what would put you in the bottom half of the yes, income distribution. Yes. It is, and I think we, we politicians of all kinds have just got to take this on board. Um, I have yet to hear any politician for any of the major parties sort of ex- make this and explain this mm. to people. Mm. They, they still will talk, because it's easy to explain, saying, oh, well, we'll raise the tax threshold, or we'll cut the rate of income tax. That is the least effective way of helping people who are in real financial needs. Mm. See, our bus driver, who I think was family was on the edge of poverty, was paying over £1,000 a year in income tax. Mm. So doesn't it make more sense to say, well, look, let's, take, let's um, stop taking income tax away from him. But if we say, oh, well, we just cut, raise allowances by 10%, it doesn't, it really... Pretend you divide it up between everybody, you know, people who are in real need benefit so little. Well, at the moment, if you took the income tax, if you raised his income tax threshold, yeah. he'd be taking home more in pay, so then he would lose more. Well, he'd lose 90%. He wouldn't, anyway. he wouldn't, he wouldn't, he wouldn't, <laughs> no. he would. I mean, one of the sad things is, one of the good things about tax credits was that because that worked on what we call pre tax income, um, if the um, Treasury reduced, government could reduce income tax. They got the full benefit of the income tax cut. This was one of the design features of tax credits. Um, but um, housing benefit doesn't work that way, and universal credit isn't going to work that way. That works on the basis of net of tax income. Mm. So if you reduce income tax, it actually. It's the same difference. Oh, yeah. So an income tax, so as far as families are concerned, Government, if in the next budget or in the run-up to an election, um, someone says, oh, well, we are going to cut income tax by X. Won't you, won't you all like that? Mm. Well, in fact, if you're one of these one in four families who are caught up in this jungle of interaction between income tax and benefits, you won't get X you will only get, um, what was it, so 27%, um, 37% of X. Yes. Because they, they'll take back, they'll say that 63% yeah. of that tax cuts. Mm. Now, is that the sort of world we want to live in? Yeah. So, we, so would you say, um, from what you've said so far, policies that we need, is first of all one that looks at household, how many people in a household, yes. and taxes them accordingly. Secondly, a much um, less steep tapering off of yeah. ta- of benefits. So, so maybe because lo- I mean everyone would agree that you should lose benefits eventually if you're working. Yeah, and your, people, your income goes up. Yeah, people want to be in work, and it's good to be in work, and so you don't want to keep people on benefits. But if you made it less steep, so you lost twenty percent or yeah. something, then then you would still be on benefits, maybe up to fifty thousand. But if you're doing a household income, that's still. It would be lovely if, we, if it could work. That way but <laughs> the, the real snack uh, two snacks of this this is a very cutting the clawback rate is expensive mm. it really is um but also if you cut it 
you actually suck more people mm. in because the, the taper, taper goes further up, mm. therefore catches more families. Uh, I really do think, the, I would argue that the sensible thing is that the first thing you do is stop taking income tax as, um, from families who are going to get these means-tested benefits. It's not, going to be, it's not going to benefit everyone, but at least it, it seems to me that that is a logical place to start. So would you have a higher income tax threshold for people on benefits? Well, you find you find ways of doing it. I mean, how Give how you actually how you <laughs> how actually you well, the way you would do it is by whatever you can focusing at tax reliefs on the people with low household income, and so the way an an obvious way of doing it is to um, link any increase in tax threshold to the fact that there are, there are children in the household. That's not going to solve everything, but at least you are doing whatever you can to ensure any tax breaks that are available go first to these families, which more you raise their income, you, you, you reduce the risk that they face these very high um, marginal um, take-back rates. But if you, if you reduce the income tax, though, they would have more income and then they'd still be losing 63%. Yeah, in... but you're still pushing. The more you can raise income so that people do not have to depend mm. on benefits. Oh, so they wouldn't qualify for it in the well, first place. Well, that, that would be the ideal world. Okay, yeah, it's not yeah. going to be a world that we're going to be able to reach in the next six months or mm. probably next six years. But we have to start somewhere. Mm. And that seems to me where, where you start. But I think you um, may need to go back to the drawing board and think how we design income tax more radically. Mm. Um, yes, it will make it more complicated, but nothing is more complicated than the world in which mm. the uh, means-tested benefits inhabit. I mean, it really... I was looking on a government website a few days ago where it set out all the different permutations, allowances you get under universal credit, and it went on for page after page after page. Now, that affects real people, real people's lives. Mm. One of the arguments for having independent taxation back in the 1990s is that married women shouldn't have to disclose their income to their husbands, so did, which technically they were required to do when um, it, what, we didn't have a system in independent taxation. That was thought, thought to be very Victorian and we ought to get rid of this and people should be treated as individuals. But for the huge number of people who were subsequently then corralled into the world of tax credits, that's exactly what they had to do. Mm. Couples had to disclose to each other their savings and their incomes and all the rest of it. Yes, because you were claiming the tax credit as a family. As a family. It's ironic, then, that you, you get taxed as an individual, but you get tax credits yeah, as, a, as a family. That's right. On a, <laughs> based on household mm. income, it's mm. your tax credit. Well, that's the whole point with the child benefit, you know, the, yeah. the higher income tax charge. If one of you is earning 50000 you you yes. both lose it. So, so much for independent yes. taxation yes. there, you, the whole family gets Although 50000 would seem a mega income in the part of the world where this bus driver um, was living. And it's worth looking at the interview we did with him on our website, um, or at least with his wife. Um, it isn't mm. an unbelievable income. 
in other parts of the country, and mm. you can be technically, you can be, you can be very close to being in poverty if you've got an income of fifty thousand, two or three children, and paying rent of three hundred and fifty mm. plus a week. Mm. Mm. And there are people like that. Yes. Well, thank you very much for listening to this podcast about taxation. I'm just going to explain a few more of the figures um, and then talk a bit more about um, the importance of mothers uh, before the end of the podcast. The uh, the basic principle, if you are able to talk to any of your MPs or candidates, is to say what we need is uh, to have household numbers included in taxation. So we really need family uh, taxation rather than individual taxation. That's the only way that any ruling government is going to be able to look after families properly. Now, one of the things that Don um, referred to there was the marginal rates. And he sent me a, a table, which I'm very happy to forward to anyone who wants to find out about it. Please message me on uh, mothersmatter at outlook.com. And this table tells you where these high marginal rates go up to. So the high marginal rate or um, METR, marginal equivalent tax rate, is the amount of uh, money you lose from each pound that you earn in addition to what you are earning. So for a single parent family with two children having a housing allowance of £150 a week, they will be paying 90.6% on anything they earn up to £30,295. So that's a phenomenal amount. If, if you're earning 25000 and you get a pay rise of 5000 uh, you're going to lose 90% um, of that. So that's why it's so difficult to, to hit, um, to, to get a higher income. And then after that amount, it's going to be 76% that you lose up to 34883 So effectively up to £35,000 if you're on universal credit or uh, benefits with housing allowance, it's not until you get up to £35,000 that you will start to earn more than 25% of every pound you earn. You'll be able to keep more than 25p. And 35000 is actually quite a good salary for many people, but that explains why it is so difficult to have enough money to live on after that. If you have a... Uh, it's similar for a single earner married couple with two children. Um, it's still up to 30,000. And then if you're a single married earner couple with two children and you get the housing allowance of £354 a week, which is the London amount, um, again, you're, you're paying 90.6% 90, 90 up to over £30,000, but up to you're still paying at 76% up to £60,000. So until you've earned, you're earning over £60,000, the amount you earn, you will lose 76% of that because of the reductions to your housing allowance and all your other benefits. So it does make it extremely difficult. If you're a single parent with two children and no housing allowance, then you'll be paying 73% up to £30,000. So uh, either way it goes, up to about £30,000, you'll be losing at least 73% of any money you earn in addition to uh, what you're already earning. Now then, if you are a single income family, um, so you have one person earning, your 
the extra tax you'll pay above what a dual income person is earning on this year's rate, so up to 2020, if you're earning £20,000, you will be paying um, £2,500 more than if there were two of you earning £20,000. At £50,000, a single income family will be paying £12,460 of that in tax. Whereas if you have a dual income earner where they're both earning the same amount, they're only paying 8,900. So if your one earning partner is earning 50,000 pounds, they will be paying three and a half thousand pounds more. That's uh, almost 300 pounds a month more in tax than when there are two people earning because of the loss of your um, uh, individual tax allowance of 12,500. That's where it comes from. And at uh, £60,000, you're also losing, you've got this higher rate child benefit tax charge. So a single income family will be paying £6,000 more, that's £527 more each month than if there are two people earning up to £60,000, where they're both on £30,000. So there's a terrible penalty against families, which are single income families. And the more the individual taxation rate goes up, the greater that penalty will be because you are still, you only have one of those. So one thing that Mothers at Home Matter campaigns for in terms of fairer family taxation is a proper transferable tax allowance, taking into account people who have children, so making allowance for families with children, so not just for couples without children, but where you have children. If you can transfer your tax allowance, which is currently 12,500, then you can be earning or rather paying up to 6,000 pounds or over 6,000 pounds less a month in taxation. So that it's very, very unfairly weighted against uh, families with children and one earner. Well, moving on from taxation, there's a new film coming out next year. Um, anyone who's lived in the States might remember um, a character called Mr. Rogers and his neighbourhood. And there's a film coming out next year with Tom Hanks playing Mr. Rogers in A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood. Uh, then this article was written by Erica Commissar, who's a New York psychoanalyst who uh, recorded podcast five with me, which is about mothers and guilt, uh, mothers and teenagers, and mothers and the, how the baby's brain develops. And she's written this article, which I think is worth uh, quoting from, because she's talking about how Mr. Rogers dealt with uh, children. It says that he um, rejected the old fashioned idea that children are to be seen and not heard. He believed adults should lead them with love and understanding, not fear and punishment. Children are delicate human beings, emotional, emotionally sensitive and neurologically fragile. To develop emotional and mental health, they need respect and tenderness, the freedom to express all their feelings and the security of being acknowledged by the adults who care for them. So this is what Erica, how Erica is analysing uh, Mr. Rogers, um, how good he was with children and why he was so good. He understood that when you mirror or reflect a child's emotions rather than disregard or disagree with them, you contribute to the development of the child's self-esteem. By listening to and empathising with children, you provide them with a deep sense that they are valuable. His convictions as a Christian led Rogers to promote the idea that all human beings are valuable. 
He loved children and taught them that you don't have to do anything sensational for people to love you, which is a sorely needed message in today's achievement-preoccupied culture. Um, Neuroscience has caught up with Mr. Rogers. Studies since the 1990s have shown that how parents interact with young children strongly affects their ability to regulate emotions such as anger, sadness and fear and to develop resilience to stress. Rogers understood that affection and eye contact were critical to children's brain development, which is why he spoke in such a calm, gentle manner. Um, This is something that we spoke about in the last podcast on mothers and childcare. That was number 15. And it talks a lot of, we talk a lot about how important how parents interact with children is. Uh, Going back to Mr. Rogers and Erica's view of him, that he gave children permission to cry at a time when the prevailing message was to be stoical and get on with things. Um, This remains a conflict for many parents, particularly those whose own parents were insensitive. Rogers conveyed the message that strength comes from expressing feelings, not repressing them. Uh, Then uh, he was also an example for parents. He showed them how to play with their children at a time when many parents didn't understand the importance of play. He was around in the uh, 1980s, uh, 1968 to 2001 was his show. So he was an example for parents. Um, he, uh, He showed children and parents how to play with children at a time when many parents didn't understand the importance of play, which is the language of childhood. So play is the language of childhood and is crucial for healthy social and emotional development which actually breaking off is some one reason why screens are so bad for small children. If they displace play, the children don't have time to develop their imaginations and be bored and find something to play with because they're constantly stimulated by the screen, which is not self-initiated. It's someone else imposing ideas on them. So... Um, Uh, uh, Back to Mr. Rogers, he used puppets and make-believe to help children work through conflicts and resolve fears. So anyway, um, that's just something about Mr. Rogers. That's a film coming out next year. And uh, it's some of the reasons why he was so um, good for children. And that gives us lots of ideas about how we should be with our children as well. Well, anyway, thank you very much for listening to this podcast. My name is Claire Pay. Um, you can follow me on social media. I'm on Mothers, I'm Mothers Matter podcast on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. I'm at podcast mothers. Uh, and again, you can email me on mothersmatter at outlook.com. Um, if you do get a chance in the few weeks before the election or when your new MP starts to talk to them or email them, um, can I just suggest that you write to them and just say that uh, we would like politicians to introduce fairer family taxation um, to recognise that children, particularly young children, need to be with their mother or a uh, loved very close carer, such as a family uh, member, such as a, pe- a grandparent, as much as possible. Um, please make the point that childcare for the under twos can really be very unhelpful and that mothers have to have the flexibility financially to be able to take more time off work to care for their children so that um, their children can grow up in a loving environment. And then the final message is to look at introducing um, family uh, family taxation, so allowing for the number of dependents in a family. 
And if the politicians can do all of that, we'll be a happy, happy bunnies and they can get on with fixing everything else. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Mothers Matter. Thank you to James Ede from Be Heard, who has done the audio production. And thank you to Mothers at Home Matter for all their support. If you have any positive comments, anything nice to say, please write to mothersmatter at outlook.com. If you feel it's really necessary, please send any constructive feedback to the same address, mothersmatter at outlook.com. And please do subscribe. I really, really would love it if you would subscribe. I'm hoping to do a number of very interesting interviews and to give a voice to mothers everywhere. My name is Claire Pay, and you've been listening to the Mothers Matter podcast. Thank you.